Hey friends, welcome once again to This Good Word. My name is Steve Weens, your host as always. And this is part three of my Advent series leading into the third Sunday in Advent. And I hope this has been helpful for you. Advent is a season in the church calendar where we can name our longings for some of the disappointments that we have about our life and the world. We can name the places that seem hopeless the areas in our lives and in the world that seem dark. And as we wait for the Christ to come into those places, uh, we journey. And the journey of the third Sunday in Advent really is a journey in the wilderness. And Ruth and I are going to explain what we mean at length about being in the wilderness. But it's basically when you know where you've been, but you can't yet see where you're going. It's a liminal space. And what's required in the wilderness is really, really tough. So uh, my prayers and grace and hope go with you in whatever season you find yourself. And I hope this episode particularly is helpful for you. Enjoy. A reading from Matthew. Chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf here, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look. Those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet? The least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Hmm. And as I hear that question, in all of its raw honesty, I hear disappointment in that. I hear, this is not what I expected from the Messiah in that. I hear um, a kind of boldness that comes out of desperation, you're in prison. You, you, you may die tomorrow. You may die in five minutes. Um, and you've, you've given up a lot if you're John the Baptist, and you've proclaimed. You have spent your, however long it was, life proclaiming that people should prepare the way of the Lord. But now there's something has happened that he is not so sure. Um, 
And Ruth, so um, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but what do you make of the fact that this is even included in the Gospels? This story, this questioning, this doubting, like what do you, what does that stir up in you about uh, your own journey of, you know, hope and doubt? What do you make of that? Well, it it does certainly speak to the fact that that there is a complexity to this part of the journey. Yes. That it's not just straight ahead, black and white, got it all figured out, know where I'm going all the time, right? Got all my questions answered. That's just not the nature and the shape of the spiritual life. Even someone who was as certain as John was, you know? Yeah. Like he was so very certain in the last passage we read, but in this one, even someone who is that strong and prophetic is rattled, you know? Um, And I think I I just, the the question um, that Jesus asks says, what did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind, um, someone in dressed in soft robes. Um, I think that both Jesus and John are saying there is a certain rigor to this journey, you know, don't think it's going to all be easy about, you know, wearing fancy clothes and being at ease and and comfortable. There is a certain rigor to this particular journey and be ready for that. Yes. Yes. I, uh, I was talking to someone recently who is really going through a very difficult loss. And, um, as, as I was listening to him, uh, and, and, and he mentioned, like he said something like, well, I, I guess, I guess it sucks to be in the wilderness or something like that. Mm. And, but then he was talking about sort of like, um, the, the answers he's looking for and the way he's frustrated. And I found myself saying something that like, do you know, when you say something and then you go, well, actually that was, that was actually pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) You go, Steve. What'd you say? (laughs) What I said was I looked at him and I said, you know, I think all, you know, cause he's looking for answers. I think I said, all, you know, when you're in the wilderness is that you're in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. That's like, it's, it, it, you, you, you almost have to get things stripped down. Um, so that you can ask the questions that are subterranean, you know, that you haven't allowed yourself to really go there. Um, and if you can name and know that you're in the wilderness, then it helps you to know how to behave there, you know? Oh, say more. I love that. Say more, say more. Well, if you know what the function of the wilderness is, spiritually speaking, then you can give yourself to it as opposed Mm -hmm. to fighting it. And I think that's what you gave your friend permission to do was to say, name it, know that this is where you are and that, and that in the wilderness, you do have to just let stuff get stripped away and know that that's part of the function of it. And even though it's hard, at least if you know what it's all about, um, you don't fight it so much and you can kind of relax in it, I think. Um, because the wilderness, it's, we, we talk about it as being hard, but there's also a certain beauty to the wilderness that I discovered. And I find that wilderness landscapes, desert landscapes actually stir me more than any other landscape. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a starkness to it. There's a simplicity. Um, you just have to strip it down. You wear minimal clothing. You need water more than you need anything. Um, you might see one flower in sand, you know, or, you know, some dune grass or something, and it's starkly beautiful rather than lushly beautiful. And so you receive every little beauty that you find and you take it in and savor it. And, um, and you let the shedding happen. You let the stripping away 
happen. And because you know what it is and you know where you are and you know how the wilderness functions in the spiritual life and that even Jesus had to have his wilderness experience, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then you don't, you don't fight it. And you just, at some point you give it up to God, you know, and you let God do God's work. And there's a certain kind of strange peace in that, if we could say it that way, don't you think? I really do. And, um, I, I, someone told me once when you're in the wilderness, you know where you've been, but you don't know where you're going. Mm-hmm. And that comes out of the Hagar story, actually. So, you know, way back in Genesis 16, I think it is, the first person we read in the scriptures that enters the wilderness and finds God there mm-hmm. is Hagar, the slave of Abram and Sarai. And mm-hmm. uh, she basically runs for her life. And the angel asks her, where have you been? And she says, I've come from my master's house and blah, blah. And then the angel says, well, where are you going? And she doesn't answer, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I, the peace that comes from me when I give into it is um, w- when you when you release control finally, like imagine yourself holding on so tightly to something, but you've held on for so long that you don't even realize how strained you are in it. Mm-hmm. And then when you let it go, like I mean, I'm just I just physically clenched my fists for mm-hmm. a while and, and sort of held my arms as straight and hard. But when you let it go and open your hands, you can sort of exhale and go. <sighs> yeah. Yes. Oh. And you yeah, you stop holding your shoulders so tight. So I yeah. can feel my shoulders, you know, you let your shoulders kind of fall into yes. a more relaxed position because you're not holding yourself so tight, you know, which we often do. In the wilderness, I find, and I'm Ruth. I'm in one of these seasons right now, literally right now, where mm-hmm. I I had this picture of myself with broad shoulders, um, carrying a backpack full of bricks up a mountain, mm-hmm. and I imagine myself finally. I couldn't go another step, and yeah. and I just I felt my knees. The backpack felt as heavy as it was. But I, and and I said because there's some just there's some things in my life right now that are so extraordinarily hard. Yeah. That I found myself um, being invited to do certain things that I know I should do, that maybe even are, I don't even want to say the right thing to do, but things that I should do. And in that place of being on my knees with the backpack so heavy, I I just realized, even if I should, I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I actually can't. And so I reached mm-hmm. out to someone and said that. I mean, these these two people, and I said, I I I literally, I literally can't do that. Yeah. And they had the strength and grace, these two women, to say to me, Okay. Yeah. Um, we're Good. gonna help you where you can't. Yeah. And let me tell you, like for me, I'm a three on the Enneagram, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff does not come natural to me to, to, to get to a point where, oh, I, I don't actually have any more energy to pretend um, yeah. that I can keep going. And it, it is a feeling of, just to go back to your piece, it, 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 there is a feeling of peace. It's, it's scary too, for me, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Like I said to someone, like, well, I guess we're all going to see what it's like for me to be on my knees, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, I, that's a nervous chuckle right there. Um, and I don't know what that'll be like. And we're going to find out because I can't yeah. go any further. 
Yeah. And I, for me, that's the wilderness. Um, yeah. Because I don't know. I told someone recently, this is unfamiliar territory for me. Certainly I've been in overwhelmed places and stuff, but this feels qualitatively different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you said, um, I know I should, but I can't, I I felt the truth of that in my own self, in my own body, like my own shoulders, you know, relaxed because I thought that is a true truth. Um, that's just a true truth. And when that is the truth, you can't fight that anymore. You've got to, you can't fight that anymore. And, um, it's, it's interesting that that is your sense of where you are at. Cause all the words that you just used feel, feel very much like where I'm at as yeah. well. The uncharted territory, the, um, I, I don't have any more, you yeah. know, yeah. um, on the inside, I do need some help. Um, you know, and just being with God with that, just w- with those realities and trusting God to bring, you know, what is most needed, um, I think it is important to say that no matter how how long one has been involved in ministry, these moments do come. Yeah. Um, and I think this particular week of Advent prepares us to know what to do when they do, to recognize them for the place in the spiritual life that it really is, and to embrace the gifts of this time. And you started out with uh, with the Matthew passage talking about John, but as we're talking about the wilderness, I mean, Isaiah 35 is yeah. amazing where it talks about the beauty of the wilderness. I mean, you know, it talks about the desert rejoicing and blossoming like the crocus. It talks about abundance and rejoicing and, and glory. And the other thing it says, which ah, oh, just makes me tremble with joy and hope. Verse eight says, a highway shall be there. Yeah. And it shall be called the holy way. You know, the passage is saying in the wilderness is where you're going to find the path. You know, the holy way, the wilderness is going to be where you find your path. Wow. That's not how we usually think it happens. But we have to wait. We have to sit there and wait for that highway to open up. Um, so, you're, you know, that, that again is characteristic of this time and space, though, is that you do wait. And and I wonder if oftentimes it is that third way that the th- you know the holy way or the third way is what opens up if we're willing to wait in the wilderness. Well, thanks, Ruth. I mean, I I can't believe like you just told me Isaiah thirty five, but I haven't ever really read it until right now. I mean, like verse three. Remember what yes, I said yes. about falling to my knees, right? Yes. I haven't really like looked at so this until this, right this now. This is for you, Steve. This whole <laughs> this whole thing is for you. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> Oh, man. That's right. I'm sure it will be. Oh. I'm sure that we are not the only one. <laughs> Strengthen the weak hands, verse 3, and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong and do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. What I love about that is that, like, I'm again, I'm an Enneagram three, but to have a feeble knees and weak hearts, I I'm like, I'm saying to you, God, I need help. Um, God, you need to come and help yes. me in my feeble knees, uh, with yeah. my weak hands. And it's just so good to remember what God wants to and do. And he, you know, and he opens the way. Yes. And of course, that's, you know, in Isaiah, in several places in Isaiah, it says that I will make a way out of no way. I mean, that is just what God does. 
It's what he does. And so ours is only to sit and wait for the way to open. Yeah. Wow. Well, I wonder if um, for all of us and our listeners in particular, that we might spend a little bit of time reflecting on the nature of the wilderness part of the journey. Yeah. The fact that knowing what it is and being able to name it that way actually gives us some guidance for how to be there, what to look for, what to watch for. And also that in the wilderness, we are stripped down. I want to go back to that language of being stripped down. Mm -hmm. What do we, what do we have to shed, you know, in order to receive the gifts of the wilderness in particular, rather than fighting it, what could we shed? And I feel like that's a little bit like what you did. I can't do that. You're just, you're just letting it be stripped away. I can't, I can't do that. Mm Um, to be in the place where God has you. So is there anything, maybe that can be an encouragement to some of the rest of us to say, if the wilderness is where I know I am, um, and now I know what its function is, um, then what do I need to shed? Because even, you know, when you're in a desert or in a wilderness, you do, you shed clothes, you go down to the least bit of clothes you can wear, you don't Mm -hmm. feel like eating, all you want to do is drink. Everything is simpler, everything is stripped down. So in this third week, is there anything that we're being invited to shed or to allow to be stripped away in order to receive the particular kinds of gifts that, that are found in the wilderness? So I want to offer as our practice, uh, letting go, um, shedding, if you will, letting go into patient receptivity. There's a certain patience, a receptivity. So we're letting go to open to what God has to give, what God will um, show to us. So letting go into patient receptivity Mm. in the wilderness. So I'm going to read um, a prayer that I just love for Advent um, about this waiting time, this wilderness time that we find ourselves in. Again, if you can um, stop and sit down, comfortable position, back straight for alertness to God, Hands open as a way of receiving, as a, as a prayer posture that symbolizes receptivity. And breathe deeply, again, breathing in the gifts of God, breathing out those things that simply need to be let go of in order to receive the gifts of God. You keep us waiting. You, the God of all time, want us to wait for the right time in which to discover who we are, where we must go, who will be with us, and what we must do. So thank you for the waiting time. You keep us looking. You, the God of all space, want us to look in the right and wrong places for signs of hope, for people who are hopeless, for a vision of a better world that will appear among the disappointments of the world we know. So thank you for this looking time. You keep us loving. You, the God whose name is love, wants us to be like you, to love the loveless and the unlovely and the unlovable, to love without jealousy or design or threat, and most difficult of all, to love ourselves. So thank you for the loving time. And in all this, you keep us through hard questions with no easy answers, through failing where we had hoped to succeed and making an impact when we felt we were useless, through the patience and the dreams and the love of others, and through Jesus Christ and His Spirit, you keep us. 
So thank you for this keeping time and for now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ruth. I hope you've enjoyed this episode talking about Advent. And I hope in this season you're able to name those places in your life that feel dark, that you need the power of the Christ to come. I hope you've had the vulnerability uh, to push past even that fear that maybe the Christ won't come. And I hope this is a transformative season for you where you're surprised, where you are expectant, and where someone and something meets you. If you've enjoyed the music on this episode, it's by my friend Latifa, who sings under many different monikers, but this particular one is Paige CXVI, and you can check out her website, pagecxvi.com for her upcoming album with Adria Assad, which is going to be beautiful, but also to purchase the music that you heard on this episode, which comes from her album, Advent to Christmas. Thanks for listening. <laughs>